That is the voice of uh, Popom Lifi uh, speaking about uh, the uh, cleanup that is underway in many of the state-owned entities. And uh, uh, I guess many of us uh, often fall into the trick of uh, the soapy-like characterization that uh, uh, within uh, government or even within the ANC, uh, the real fight is about uh, a fight between heroes and villains. And sometimes that uh, really, I guess, serves to obscure more than it does reveal. And uh, tonight we want to try and reveal maybe move away from uh, the smoking guns and daggers and try and reveal uh, what indeed uh, is at stake here. And uh, one of the things we want to look at, uh, certainly as the Zondo Commission takes a look at Transnet over the next few days or so, is what is Transnet? What role does it play in our economy? And uh, indeed, how has it been executing that role of late? Uh, uh, before we even get, of course, to, I guess, uh, the wranglings and the fightings and the access given to the Guptas and their allies. And uh, we know that a board chairperson whose voice you just heard Papa Mulefe. Uh, he's expected to give some of the details of this and other things and uh, we do know since that a uh, cleanup and I use that in inverted commas, has begun, uh, that uh, uh, there's been a dismissal not only of the likes of Siabonga Kama and many in that executive committee, no Tamsanga, Chiyana, Nabany, uh, but uh, a dismissal even of some of uh, the people who are in that board, uh, the board that uh, uh, was set up, uh, I think, about 18 months ago. And many of those uh, were dismissed in that board. And my next guest, and uh, I must say, uh, we're not going to be talking, of course, in particular about uh, some of the evidence that's going to come before the commission or even some of the issues here uh, at stake, but uh, trying to maybe make sense of uh, Transnet, the context it works in, and more importantly, uh, the role that uh, transit plays in the fortunes of our economy. If I can give you just a brief example, uh, you know, I recall uh, about a year ago, speaking to one of the uh, uh, senior members and senior leaders in one of the mining companies. And he said, you know, uh, we took a proper shave when it came to our revenue and our sales uh, uh, during a particular period. And this was largely on the back of uh, uh, the derailment of uh, one of the ship- shipments that had come from, I think it was a Sishan iron ore mine all the way out in uh, 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 the Northern Cape, I think. And uh, he said, you know, we couldn't take this to Saldana Bay because of all manner of challenges uh, in the rail sector. And if you think about Transnet, certainly as uh, that kind of infrastructure that is able to not only uh, uh, be able to, I guess, uh, have terminals that assist us to take this to the export markets, but even take it from where it's produced uh, through to our harbors, then uh, uh, its function really, I guess, is much, much bigger than just uh, being a... Um, goods transport. I'm joined now on the line by a gentleman who uh, for many years was close to the action and now uh, works as an organizational strategist. He's also a writer, having uh, published a book called Fit for Purpose, uh, speaking about the self-same SOEs. His name is uh, Tabang Mutsohi and he joins us on the line this evening. And Date, good evening to you and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, good evening, Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, Morena. And uh, maybe I'd like us to, to, to start here. And when we think about Transnet, uh, it's, all, it's often helpful to maybe think about uh, the historic context here and uh, historic context of South Africa as an economy that uh, uh, has always been reliant on uh, the export of minerals and uh, what role, I guess, uh, you know, freight infrastructure in particular has played uh, in that. Can you maybe just map that out for us? Yeah, thank you very much. In fact, in your intro, you talked, you emphasized quite a bit about context and how the SOEs work within the current context. But you know what? For us to be able to discuss this much more, you know, um, reasonably, let's just take two quick steps back mm. uh, so that we can understand the context okay. then. <laughs> uh, the, you know, during the apartheid era, uh, you, you will know that actually. The social, the social services were provided selectively, not only selectively 
disproportionately almost and disproportionately uh, provided to, to benefit, you know, uh, the white demographic. Uh, that is the context, one. The challenge that we had when we took over, you know, the, the reins of power in 1994 was that we were faced with very, very huge demands from a populace that has been denied or had been denied these services uh, prior. Mm. So you could not rely on the state inherited to provide what you call an expanded network of needs and services. So in order to do that, there was only one thing that was most important. We had to have what you call a capable and efficient state and a state machinery that can really deliver in, in terms of the expanded requirements and needs that we have in the new democratic phase, which may basically say, you know, we, we, we had to find a way of providing justice to the shared social services. Now, a capable state, and the word actually means that, means it can only be capable if it has the right competencies mm. at the right levels, right from the boards, uh, you know, including to the professionals that are in the organizations. Now, Transit was one of these entities uh, that was housing, what, freight trains, uh, plus I used to be the passenger race, uh, the ports, and so on, uh, the pipelines. And uh, ESCOM also has been there, you know, provided the energy that is required. Now, we, we tried, in, in, in order to, to try to do this correctly, the right focus was put on, one, let's fix SARS to make sure that we can collect more revenue. Why do we do that? Because clearly, obviously, we needed more income. Let's fix Treasury so that we can manage the state budgets properly. We did do very well. But what has happened is that, uh, you know, from about 2008, we saw something new in South Africa that was happening. Instead of taking advantage of the foundation that was built up to the time when the, the former president, Tom Baker, was, was removed, we decided to go something like with a Lionel's fair situation where everything that was efficient was being, you know, degraded in a variety of forms. And if you look at ESCOM, for instance, technicians that, are, that actually know how to maintain the plants were removed. Mm. If, you look at, if you look at ESCOM, let's take, I'm sorry, let's, let's take Transnet, look at PRASA. PRASA is such a vital you know, state entity, because it is so vital. Look at what is happening in Cape Town. People go to work in Cape Town depending on PRASA. Mm, Instead mm. of ensuring that we have the right competencies, we have a very clear, defined strategy as to what and how we want to, you know, enhance the capabilities of these entities. We neglected them. Now we're sitting with the problems that we have. SAA, the same thing. So, I, I don't know, it doesn't matter which enterprise you look at mm. we degraded them by failing to understand that yeah. these institutions are vital components of this entity mm. uh, you know abstract concept called a capable state yeah.
I want us maybe just to uh, continue on the vein that you're suggesting here because at many times you hear uh, the state that we've had for the last 25 years uh, fashioning and I guess self-styling itself as a developmental state and there's something implied in least of all the East Asian experience of developmental states is this capability to intervene, to discipline capital and also to be able I guess to mobilize society behind an agenda either for growth, either for modernization or even some form of transformation. And I recall a few years ago doing a study uh, on, uh, I guess, one of the divisions at uh, Transnet uh, for, for, for my academic training. And one of the people I spoke to and interviewed there said to me, the biggest failure uh, in the last 20 years or so has been this underinvestment in our rail capacity, which potentially hasn't allowed us to benefit at that time from the commodity boom of the early 2000s. And I want to ask you now, when we look at where we are now, if indeed we were to see some boom in uh, some of the uh, minerals that we have in this country, which we transport by rail, do you think we would be in a position to benefit from, I guess, uh, the greater production and greater, you know, freight loads that that would imply? Actually, you, you're raising something that is so, you know, important and foundational. In the book, uh, you know, that you've cited, I talk about having contextual intelligence. Mm. You know, the ability to understand the movements of sectors that are contingent, that are very important to your organization, and then having the ability to see into the future what is going to unfold. What are the probabilities? Now, we missed very critical decision-making moments. For instance, 1998, 99, mm. we should have decided on a very high level of investment into Transnet. We should have accepted, you know, the, the requirement for investment into ESCO in order to improve its generating capacity. And many, and many others. I was in Transnet at that time. I know exactly what, what we did. And we should have invested into the harbors. We decided to forego those decisions and were caught up by the moving world around us. Uh, pressure on SA, pressure on, 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 you know, on the, on the ports, pressure on the railways, pressure on ESCO. This is what we're dealing with now. The problem that we have are a result of failure to understand what is happening to the context in which we are and see into the future what may happen and what we should do therefore. So we miss those things. And the moment you miss invest, and remember, this is very important, all these entities that we're talking about require huge capital investment. Mm. You, don't, you don't just buy a car or a trade. You, you, these are huge, and therefore you're looking at long-term investment. Therefore you must have the capability to see into the future. It doesn't matter whether you look at ASCOM, freight rail, uh, the hub, the port, etc. SA, every item of capital expenditure there, you're talking billions, hmm. right? Hmm. And that requires you to be absolutely careful as to who you put in charge. What kind of board do you have? Does it have the industry capability and experience to understand these requirements? So they can say to the shareholder, look, we need to invest now. Mm. Because you are foreseeing this and this and that. That is precisely what you're asking. Yeah. We failed. We failed those signal moments. And uh, we're faced now with the crisis that we have. In all these areas, it's exactly the same thing. 
Let's pause this slightly, Linda Demutsoi, and uh, invite some of our callers here to uh, weigh in on some of these debates. I'm also going to take a look at some of these uh, uh, tweets that are coming through on at Metro FMSA. Do send them through, and uh, you can also tweet me at AYTAWE, the name there on the Twitter, and uh, we'll take this brief break. And on the other side, we continue to take a look at uh, Transnet. What is it, uh, the role and function it plays in our uh, political economy, and more importantly, uh, I guess, uh, how then... Do we think about uh, its reorganization away from just thinking that, uh, you know, you can quickly come in with a new broom and uh, sweep it clean? I'd love to hear from you. Give me a ring on 089-110-3377. Indeed, seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, we're in conversation on talking about Transnet. And I'm joined uh, by Tabang uh, Mutohi, organizational strategist and the author of the book Fit for Purpose. And uh, someone who certainly... Uh, had the great opportunity to analyze uh, the workings of many state-owned entities, having been part of uh, some of these. And in Dademotoi, before we went to the break, you were making a very crucial point around contextual intelligence. And I am interested, when, when we think about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the EDD minister a few weeks ago said, uh, if we think about data and what data is to the 21st century, it's like what steel was to the yeah. 20th century. Um, and when we look at the state of rail now, and we think about what is needed to modernize uh, not only just our rolling stock, but to modernize the function that rail plays in our economy. What does that look like in a context of the fourth industrial revolution, in a context where we're trying really uh, to uh, uh, integrate in much better ways and more uh, intentional ways with the continent? You see, that is where we have a conundrum, you know, uh, as, as a country and at this point in its development. We have neglected to invest so much in these critical and very complex entities that we find ourselves now having to do a double up, uh, looking into what is happening into the advanced, in the advanced countries, how they are progressing on this thing. If you look at the rail system, for instance, very simply, it needs to be realigned. Now, when you talk about realignment of a rail system, you're talking about big, big, big capital. If you look at, for instance, the idea of moving coal, you know, in the new, to, to, to the new uh, politicians that are being built, you're talking about new investments in, in rain. That's big money, all right? You're talking about, if you talk about PRASA, for instance, to make it efficient, to be able to transport people safely, conveniently at all times, you're talking big money. There has been a lot of talk about, for instance, linking Pretoria with the Western with the western part of Johannesburg, mm. so where to? What will that cost? These are the things that we should have foreseen and started planning accordingly. Now, if you remember, about five, ten, you know, seven, eight years ago, uh, you you referred to to euphemism called you know developmental state. Every minister would always get onto the political platform and say, hey, we are a developmental state, mm. etc., etc." And then you say, but what do you mean by that? If you're talking about a developmental state, you're talking about a state that touches the people mm. where it matters. You're talking about the municipalities, right? Now, we allowed a municip- all the municipalities and state-owned entities are what you call components of a state that should be made very capable in order to deliver services through which, you know, which can be delivered through those entities. Now, if you think about it, all you have to do is to read the Auditor General report mm. over the last you know, two years, even now. Municipalities have broken down. 
And yet they're the entities through which we touch the people. We should have focused on that. We should have made sure that we have an efficient minister who understands far-sighted. We should have made sure that in cabinet we talk about municipalities. We don't mess around. You don't go send people who have absolutely no clue. Okay, I'll give you one example. Take it to Queen right now. Mm. Collapsing on all sides. 64 billion, you know, the budget. Who is in charge of that? Come on, please. Mm. I, I, won't even, I won't even mention it. Mm. This, is, this is how silly we have become. We have played around with our assets to such an extent that to recover, I really pity how. I mean, I can't imagine if, for instance, President Ramaphosa wins and there's the mandate, what and how he's going to do it. Because the task is huge. It needs people that know what they're about. But the people that know what to do were shoved out mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. 10 years. And we have a miserable situation right now. Uh, I mean, look, I was at, at SAA, you know, for six months last year, advising the current CEO. Yes, yeah. Look, they're dealing with a very serious situation. The damn thing had literally almost disintegrated. I mean, we heard of stories of uh, people stealing equipment. At, no, 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 you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I can tell you of stealing equipment. You know, there was the, the sort of stuff that was going on there is, 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 is beyond imagination. Can you imagine, you know, somebody on, on you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know, on Hans Tatum, there was, you know, another, I mean, somebody, the white guy was running a shop. And he says one day, somebody walks in with a, with a wheelbarrow, and in it he's got a box. He says, can you please buy this thing? When he opens the dump, he finds that it's a spare part of an aircraft. I mean, who buys? He had, he had to kick the hell out aviation of Aviation space. No, please, for goodness sake. Why do we allow ourselves to mess ourselves so much? Why don't we just agree that these complex, complicated, and highly technical entities require the best hands? And you don't just start at the professional executive level management mm. and throw the organization. You start at the board level. If, if, if you look at the board of ESCO, when there were inquiries in parliament, all right, mm. you remember that. Yep. And you look at the chairman, I mean, you feel ashamed to hmm. be South African. Absolutely ashamed. When this organization was quoted as one of the top five, about five years prior. Mm. And now we have the type, that type of board, you know, the type of board that you had for SAA. It is shameful that we should have had this kind of thing. And, I mean, look, they're dealing with very expensive items. To invest in aircraft is a big deal. To decide where you want to go in terms of route is a big deal. Mm. It's not like buying a motor car in the cities. You think in terms of 20 years, 20 year horizon mm. to manage this thing. So basically, what am I saying? I'm saying to you, the only way out is that we should sit down, we come about it, make sure that the appointments to the boards are correct, Make sure that we have the right people leading these organizations and give them space to work. Remove political interference. It is as simple as that. Mm. Now, now, 
No, if we can pause this, like you, we know there's an interim uh, executive committee in place at Transnet, and I and I don't want us to have a debate around whether or not those are the right jockeys for this particular horse race. But I, I want to maybe look at the glass rather than half empty as half full. I mean, we, we heard, for instance, towards the end of last year about all manner of contracts, uh, uh, be it the leasing of uh, locomotives and wagons to Zambian railways, the MOUs and agreements with uh, the Zimbabwean. Uh, railways yeah. and even uh, of course uh, Transnet Rail, uh, what was called Transnet Rail Engineering, uh, also I guess uh, lending its capacity to uh, the East African region to try and revitalize the rail sector there. So it's quite clear that we, we still have some of this capability within Transnet uh, and uh, other countries in our region continue to demand it. Uh, and so uh, it does seem that there's a silver lining here somewhere. Oh, oh there, there definitely is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Please, you know, don't misinterpret me. Mm. I'm not saying these things are, are rotten to the core and they sure, have to be scrapped. Sure. We have good and capable people in these organizations that actually can do work. We have to make sure that we give them the space to do so. And we have to, number one, improve the corporate governance in all of them. It is too easy for ministers to interfere in these organizations. And they do so because... The people that were planted previously were, you know, amenable, you know, to influence. Mm. What we need to do now is to go professional. Let's make sure that we have the right people, and then you will see what will happen. We have a good basis, a good foundation, and we can build on that and, very, and build a very strong organization. And, you know, look, I mean, I deal with all these things in the book, and, and, and people should really try to work themselves through the book. It's a simple book. Sure. And it's available on you know on the website www.tabanjmutsuhi.com and uh, there's a you know discounted price right now running. So it's something that people can work through and see where we missed it and what we must do to get back there. I've been writing about these things you know since when? Twenty oh nine since hmm. then. And uh, Nobody listens. Nobody listens. And that's where we are now. But let's not talk about that. Sure. Let's talk about building the future. What do we do now? A good amount of work is going on at SA. I can tell you that. A good amount of work. And I believe in a very short while you'll see change. But it needs proper governance structure. That's We'll have to leave it there. Always, uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you, and uh, really appreciate uh, you taking your time and I certainly to speak to us this evening. And I certainly hope we can catch up with you as the Zondo Commission continues to unpack what happened, in particular at Transnet and many other SOEs, uh, which uh, of course is set to happen over the next few months, right through until the Zondo Commission completes its work in 2020. And Dade Tabang Mutsuhi is a highly experienced organizational strategy consultant with extensive experience in the state-owned entity environment. And a big thank you to him for joining us and taking time out to speak to us this evening.